Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for book four, chapter eight. They were all in on it. What a bunch of crooks. Techrific says, wow, that was shocking. What a greedy bunch, the lot of them. And the banker's smugness throughout was infuriating. Swim, said the mum, she said, I found it shocking and infuriating as well. Junior is an interesting character. He has empathy for Gothel, but wasn't going to put up his own status and money in jeopardy. He loves his daughter, but still pushes her to marry a man she loathes because of status and money. I believe he believes he would have bailed out Grunlich if Tony had loved him, but he is vastly relieved when it appears she doesn't, then perceives it as just another business transaction and capitalise on it. Tony is easily manipulated. And then he falls back on, it's not my fault, it's God's will. The irony is it appears he is not a good businessman as the firm has stagnated since Senior's death. Must be God's will. Sarcastic face. Jan Brunt says, So the console will only do what's right when it directly benefits him. That fits his character. Reminds me of a quote misattributed to Winston Churchill. Men and nations behave wisely when they have exhausted all other resources. Yeah. I mean, do we feel good for Tony or not? I guess so. But you are right. He did seem relieved when he didn't have to bail them out. But I still do think that that's the best option. I was kind of glad to see Grunlich not get bailed out because screw Grunlich. Anywho, chapter 9 goes like this. Dora the cook, about whose honesty Tony had had her doubts, was busy in the dining room. Ask Madame Grunlich to come down, ordered the console. Get yourself ready, my child, he said as Tony appeared. He went with her into the salon. Get ready as soon as possible and get Erica ready too. We are going to the city. We shall sleep tonight in a hotel and travel home tomorrow. Yes, Papa, Tony said. Her face was red. She was distracted and bewildered. She made unnecessary and hurried motions about her waist, as if not knowing where to begin, and not grasping the actuality of the occasion. What shall I take, Papa? She asked distractedly. Everything, all our clothes, one trunk or two? Is Grinlich really bankrupt? Oh my God. But can I take my jewellery then, Papa? The servants must leave. I cannot pay them. Grinlich was to have given me housekeeping money today or tomorrow. Never mind, my child. Things are will all be arranged here. Just take what is necessary in a small trunk. They can send your own things after you. Hurry, do you hear? Just then the portiers were parted and Herr Grinlich came into the salon with quick steps, his arms outstretched, his head on one side, with the bearing of a man who says, Here I am, kill me if you will. He hurried to his wife and sank down on his knees right in front of her. His appearance was pitiable. His golden whiskers were dishevelled, his coat crumpled, his neck cloth askew, his collar open. Little drops stood upon his forehead. Anthony, he said, have you a heart that can feel? Hear me. You see before you a man who will be utterly ruined if, yes, who will die of grief if you deny him your love. Here I lie. Can you find it in your heart to say to me, I despise you, I am leaving you? Tony wept. It was just the same as that time in the landscape room. Once more she saw his anguished face, his imploring eyes directed upon her. Again she saw and was moved to see that this pleading, this anguish, were real and unfeigned. Get up, Grunlich, she said, sobbing. Please, please get up. 
She tried to raise his shoulders. I do not despise you. How can you say such a thing? Without knowing what else she could, should say, she turned helplessly to her father. The consul took her hand, bowed to his son-in-law, and moved with her towards the hall door. How are you... Oh, sorry. You are going, cried Herr Grundlich, springing to his feet. I have told you already, said the consul, that I cannot be responsible for leaving my innocent child in misfortune, and I might add that you cannot either. No, sir, you have misprized the possession of my daughter. You may thank your creator that the child's heart is so pure and unsuspicious that she parts from you without repulsion. Farewell. But here, her Grundlich lost his head. He could have borne to her of a brief, brief parting, of a return, and now a new life, and perhaps the saving of the inheritance, but this was too much for his powers of self-control, his shrewdness and resource. He might have taken... <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> he might have taken the large bronze plaque that stood on the etagere, but he seized instead a thin painted vase with flowers that stood next to it and threw it on the ground so that it smashed into a thousand bits. Ha! Good, good, he screamed. Get along with you. Did you think I'd whine after you, you goose? You are very mistaken, my darling. I only married you for your money and it was not nearly enough, so you may as well go home. I'm through with you. Through, through, through. Johann Buddenbrook ushered his daughter silently out. Then he turned, went up to Herr Grunlich, who was standing in the window with his hands behind his back, spit staring out at the rain, touched him softly on the shoulder and spoke with soft admonishment. Pull yourself together, pray. Alright, that's the end of the chapter. Good line. That's a good line. Pull yourself together, pray. Very cool. Alright, thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.